0: Welcome back everyone, this is William Wallace with another episode of Simulating the Enemy
1: and today I want to go back to cryptocurrency and where I left off talking about cryptocurrency it was a lot different than it is today.
0: You know it was wild out there uh, when I recorded these last
1: uh, episodes on cryptocurrency.
0: We were in this just
1: crazy, you know, like I said, like I named it Cryptomania, and people were buying, you had just you know, millionaires showing up everywhere from different
0: types of coins, you had meme coins, you had new coins, you had the staples such as Bitcoin, Ethereum, just going through the roof on prices, and it was all anyone could talk about, and
1: it really affected other parts of the market as well. You know, we talk about meme stocks and all of those things. They all kind of, but they all kind of happened there at the same time. Um, and I'm not necessarily sure if there was any
0: correlation there. Potentially, with COVID, maybe there was some idleness that people had, and so there was an eager,
1: an eagerness to do something other than just you know sit around and. You know, maybe all of that was channeled into uh, the cryptocurrency realm. Well, a whole lot has changed since then, right? And so, you know, not long actually after I recorded the last cryptocurrency episode, you started to um, see some things take place. I mean, around the world, that's what I mean. And... um
0: both positive and negative, but the, the negative aspects definitely outweighed the positive. And if you recall back to those previous episodes, one of the things I really talked
1: about was government action. Like, What were the governments around the world going to think and do about cryptocurrency? And what we saw was, well, the motivations may be unclear, so you know just for context. Right, what we saw is a real big crackdown
0: on Bitcoin mining, and I didn't talk a whole lot about cryptocurrency mining in the first few episodes. I don't really want to dive into uh, crypto mining, um, but you know, in in lieu of giving a crash course in that here on the episode, like if you don't know what crypto mining is, you know, you can just a <laughs> brief. Google Search or YouTube video will tell you all you need to know, but essentially individuals or companies whatever
1: anybody can take computer hardware and use it to create new cryptocurrency on the various networks by
0: verifying transactions and doing different things and it's called mining, but it's really it's the creation of new coins uh as payment for using your hardware to support the network and a lot of times it's random so it's not like you know if you sign up and you're giving x amount of hours you're automatically going to get x amount back um you know there are ways that it it kind of works out that way but only if you organize yourself as such for example an individual who's just doing it themselves
1: mining what you call mining solo they may never get paid depending on how much power they're adding to it. And so if you recall, some of the benefits, or at least alleged benefits of cryptocurrency in the beginning was this decentralized freedom-type money or asset that's not controlled by the government in any way. And in the beginning, especially with Bitcoin, when you could just use a very small amount of computing power, uh, that was kind of the case.
0: But as it became more difficult, and and I said, I'm not going to go into the details, but as time goes on, the mining process gets more difficult and requires more computing power. So at some point,
1: uh, most of these cryptocurrencies reach a point, at least the ones that you're mining, where just your average consumer's not mining them anymore.
0: You've got individuals who've set up, you know, mining farms or mining rigs, and then they're working in pools, what they call mining pools, where you have hundreds of people putting their um,
1: numbers together to create percentages that work in their favor. And then it, it went even further, where you had people building hardware specifically designed only for cryptocurrencies. And the end result was you just had these tons of people were doing it because it was so valuable, which cranks the difficulty up. So the more people doing it, the harder it is, meaning the more
0: processing power you need. The more processing power you need, the higher the, electric, the electricity
1: demand is. And so the more and more people that jump on these things, uh, the more power it was consuming. And as the price went up and up and up and up, you know, the the
0: price of electricity could just never compete with the value of some of these things. So you just had massive amounts of people, massive amounts of hardware, and in some countries, you know, they would be causing blackouts because so much electricity was used to do this crypto mining. And so, you know, if you were paying attention, at all you may have heard some of the things, you know, the the quote unquote green concerns about the carbon
1: footprint and all these things about cryptocurrency. Um And, you know, for fairness, there is a carbon footprint for cryptocurrency, just as
0: there's a carbon footprint for the standard banking industry. I mean, there are computers that handle all those transactions and all those kind of things that run on the same kind of electricity. But anyway, what you really saw was China cracking down on these crypto miners. And a lot of them were in China because they're cheap hydro-powered electricity in a lot of places, and they would actually move these farms around, to actually get after the cheapest electricity in any in any given season. Um And in China, this would depend on the rainy season and where they could use hydroelectric power, and then they would move back to other places. Maybe there was cheap coal power or something like that. And, you know, and so China went after the people and started shutting them down. And you really heard a lot about it in the media about the electricity and the power
1: and that's maybe... They really try to sell it that that's why that was going on. But China's an interesting case because there's very little evidence that China cares all that much about the environment. And,
0: you know, it wasn't that long ago that China was one of those countries where you have some of the most advanced skyscrapers in the world but you also still have people that live their daily lives on the back of their oxen
1: that ply, you know, the rice paddies or the fields or wherever they're at. Very, very big spectrum of standard of living. And when you're in that kind of country, your ability to care about the environment is limited. And so what we do know that China cares about is control. And they had, you know, for a long time kind of I don't want to say turn a blind eye, but they really didn't mess with cryptocurrency all that much,
0: you know, at least from a public-facing viewpoint for a long time. And you know, and one speculation could be they're generating all of this and they're making all this value for China, and they're pulling all this Bitcoin value from China from the world into China, right? So it's building wealth in China by having all this Bitcoin. And I think what happened, well, I don't want to say I think what happened, like I don't really have any particular data, but I speculate that what may have been happening is that you were getting very wealthy individuals on Bitcoin. And you know, in any country that's a dictatorship or a communist country or whatever, when you start to get individuals who have a lot of private value, the communist government or an authoritative government or a dictatorship is very uncomfortable with that, right? You can remember... Uh, you can think to Russia and some of the the billionaires that have been jailed in Russia because of some things, right? And so when you become
1: that powerful but by virtue of having a lot of money, the government starts to take a look at you. And then, you know, you also have the ability to affect the government, but
0: then the government still has the ability to affect you. And one of the things that you can do to turn the screws to somebody who was a cryptocurrency billionaire is to turn off their power, Right.
1: I and mean, then by doing that, they set off an entire chain reaction that just crashed the crypto market. Um, and so, like I said, I don't have any evidence to support an idea that that's what
0: was going on, but it would sure make a lot of sense. Or well, at the very least, it was an ancillary benefit that the Chinese government liked, is that maybe the government wasn't getting as much of that money as they thought they ought to have been, maybe You know, one of the ideas about cryptocurrency is it's kind of supposed to be like untraceable anonymous, and I'll come back to that in a minute. But um, to the extent that it is, you know, hard to trace and anonymous and people can move it around without the Chinese government being able to find it, it's possible that, you know, Chinese crypto miners were moving that value out of the country and keeping the Chinese government uh, from getting their greedy little hands on it. And maybe some conflict arose there behind the scenes between some parties, and so you know they, they cracked down on it. It's really hard for me to believe that the Chinese government didn't think through highly what was going to happen and what their actions were going to do in terms of shutting
1: down crypto miners.
0: You know, I mean, it's like shutting down a, a highly profitable industry in your country for really no reason. And in this case, it wasn't for no reason, right? They had their reasons, and that's what we're speculating about. Um, but what I, what I'm not
1: speculating is that it was all about the environment. And in fact, in countries where they do care about the environment, they still haven't
0: banned cryptocurrency mining despite its carbon footprint. You do have some countries have banned it, like Iran. That's because it was causing blackouts and things, not because of an, any environmental impact. And so that leaves us in this weird place. And one of the things I mentioned in those previous episodes was, what's the U.S. government
1: going to do with this? And, you know, on that note, recently, we have seen
0: um the this infrastructure bill. And I, I think I did an episode on that that you can check out if you're interested. And it's not about this infrastructure bill exactly. It's trying to identify what the heck they're doing and and some other things. But...
1: There were some things about using cryptocurrency for, for funding in that bill. And um I'm not gonna try to, you know, recite exactly what was in there.
0: Um and, and to be honest, I don't even know the full text. I don't even know if anyone has it yet. But that was you know, that was kind of the um the concept that had been going around, is is that's what was happening. Now in my previous episode, we talked about the US government, what action they may take. And what we've seen so far is them do nothing about cryptocurrency. And it seemed like the mood was ripe in the world for these Western governments to start cracking down on this, especially you're talking about taxing capital gains, taxing wealth, all of these things that are going on, all of these conversations that are being taken place in the government cryptocurrency is right there. And it's an easy target because it does help people in illicit trades like drugs, human trafficking, hackers, all those kind of things. And, And you've seen cryptocurrency come out of some of these like hacks, ransomware,
1: different things all over the world. And I was just really surprised that the mood the moment kind of came and went
0: without any u.s action or any government u.s governmental action on cryptocurrencies you know and just to go back right to the beginning you know the idea behind cryptocurrency was that it was it's a distributed network where no one person can control the network and by because of that It is secure. It's almost, you know, once you get to a certain threshold within a certain right amount of users, you basically pass the ability for anyone to manipulate the network. And then, because of the way that uh, any of the value that you have on these networks is stored, you can do it fairly anonymously and you can move it around without having to go to a bank, without having to show an ID, how to do all of these things. And so there was anonymity and distribution, decentralization. And so, I mean, it was like, You know, a libertarian's dream, a free man's dream, a pirate's dream is what cryptocurrency was supposed to be. And I mentioned all these mining pools earlier, but when you have all of these mining pools and you have these collections of, you know, they call it hash rate, so that's what I'll call it. And again, go look that up if you're unclear with what that means. But when you have all the hash rate concentrated into a few pools, which at the end of the day are just a few result in a few connections to these these core networks, the whole idea of just a decentralized network has, has kind of gone out the window. And I don't know personally how many actual nodes and different things that they call them need to exist for it to fulfill like an idealized decentralized model or whatever, but it's not it hasn't become this thing where every person has their own computer and they're using it across the entire country to verify and to decentralize these networks, right? They're, the vast majority of that hash rate is concentrated
1: into pools, which, you know, is counter to some of those decentralization ideas. Anyway, because of that, again, that kind of embodiment creates an ideal opportunity for the government to
0: jump in because a lot of these pools and these guys with mining farms, guys and girls with mining farms in these pools, they're basically created businesses, right? And and they're taxed like through the nose already. If they're, you know, playing by the rules, they got to pay income tax on the value that they create through mining. And then if they hold it and later sell it, then they got to pay capital ca- capital gains on the difference in value. And so... When these people are set up in so-called, you know, legit operations, they're basically businesses, and they are in a prime position to be regulated because
1: some of them are so invested that they wouldn't really have any choice but to continue. Um and again, the moment passed. We kind of went past that opportune moment for the US government to kind of do whatever it wants with cryptocurrency. And That's really kind of what I wanted to talk about today. And I think, you know, I'm going to stop
0: this episode, you know, without getting into some other things that I want to get into, but I just kind of wanted to focus on that piece briefly
1: and evaluate what we think about that. And like I said, all this is speculation and I don't have any data and I'm not a crypto mining
0: expert. I'm not a cryptocurrency expert or any of that, but what I do is just read the tea leaves you know i see what's going on i follow enough youtubers i know i got my ear to the ground so to speak in enough of these areas to kind of get a feel for what's going on are there any concerns and there were for a little while and that's why i mean you could just go and start looking around at different youtube videos for for people who make videos on crypto mining and and go back and see some of those dates that correlate with that height and, you know, the crackdown on cryptocurrency in places. And you can see that there were people can, there were people worried.
1: And then, um, nothing happened. So why did anything happen? Well, and I'm just going to get to it. I think nothing happened because I don't think the government is worried about it. And I don't think they're worried about it because I think they have developed systems, uh, that can distract these things. And as evidenced by that, you can see, some of um,
0: some of the big busts that have happened lately, both in the U.S. and in some other
1: countries, they were able to confiscate a lot of cryptocurrency, which was not supposed to be able to happen. That was the whole point, right? The government wasn't supposed to just be able to come in and take it.
0: But the fact that that's happening is very, very important data point because it. It means a couple of things. So I'm going to go back to where I was talking about those centralized pools, right? Those aren't the people that are being caught doing the wrong things. But what those centralized pools have done is they've created, you know, a legit system or a, you know, quote unquote straight system where as all of these people dive into cryptocurrency, you have these exchanges online. And these exchanges act a lot like banks in certain manners. Meaning you log in, you create a user account, you got to probably put in like credit card number or something, you know, to even have an account and
1: to, to sell your cryptocurrency or to buy it in order to get real money back from it. And and the reality
0: is once you put your name to something, once you put a credit card on file, like your anim- anonymity is gone. Right, use your toast. You know, the government will find you. Like, it is not difficult for the government to subpoena, you know, credit card records, bank records. Like, you can't wave a bigger flag about here I am, come get me, than those kind of things. And so, what happened was this big legit side of cryptocurrency where people were playing by the rules, you know, just these, you know, these Dogecoin traders who were trying to make millions of dollars and take Dogecoin to the moon and whatnot. They want to buy it with a few hundred dollars they got laying around. They need a legit way to do that. And so you have these exchanges popping up and you've created an exchange, so many exchanges that a lot of these transactions for that are go on to the blockchains for these cryptocurrencies are verifiable and track traceable back to individuals through the actual money used to buy them or the actual money Received
1: by selling cryptocurrency. And we're at a point with cryptocurrency where you can't buy that much with it. And the number of people in the world willing to pay you big amounts of cash for
0: cryptocurrency is not a large amount of people. They're probably under watch lists already. And that cash has to come from somewhere, right? So even if you have a giant bank account somewhere in some other country, and you want to buy a whole bunch of cryptocurrency for somebody and not use one of these exchanges, you still got to pull the cash out of somewhere, right? And outside of, you know, cartels in South America storing cash in the walls of their houses, right? There's not that
1: many places that just have big amounts of cash. And so, traceable steps are entering into this
0: uh ecosystem, and so a lot of people just don't have any. anonymity when they're using cryptocurrency because that's not their goal, right? They're, they're dabbling in it. They're treating it as an
1: asset. Um, they're tweeting about it. Right. And so they've kind of torpedoed, you know, some of the, some of the, the ability to, to remain, to remain hidden. And on top of that,
0: or I suppose one of the things that enables that, and this is what I really think is going on is that the blockchain itself, every transaction's on there there ain't no hidden transactions. It's all in the code. You know, what's hidden is who is who owns it. Right. And most of the time, you know, and I, and I'm going to guess that at least in the U S national security agency, you know, or FBI or somebody, you know, they can match the blockchain transactions, you know, with IP addresses and other kinds of transactional data and things to really pinpoint what's going on. And once they identify an individual, it's not that difficult for the FBI FBI or or a government to hack in or use all the means at their disposal to get access to
1: some crypto wallets and really to get a hold of those assets. And so, um, because of that, the government may not want to trigger anybody to be motivated to up the
0: security of cryptocurrencies. Theoretically, it probably could be done. The wallets, uh the exchanges. Now there is some rules coming to to exchanges that are more like banks and like other kind of entities. When you register an account, like you're gonna have to prove your identity and different things like that. You've seen nowadays you have that with a lot of email addresses, even back. You know, it wasn't that many years ago you could m- make all kinds of email addresses with fake stuff, and you know, and it wasn't really government action that put an end to that at all. It was scammers that put an end to that because there was just too, it was just too easy to make a bunch of fake emails and scam people out of a bunch
1: of money, you know, so just to come full circle, right, Um, we just haven't seen regulation levied at these cryptocurrencies in in a severe way, and there was an opportunity to do so, and the U.S. government chose not to do that, and there was, and there's a reason, right? There's a committee or something, you know, in U.S. Congress that's reviewing these things, and
0: you know they got something up their sleeve, right? They were looking at this, they were prepared to do it. They are definitely not afraid to regulate things, and the fact that they chose not to, or they chose, they haven't, they have chose to not do it yet, tells us something about that. And you know, my speculation is, is that it's probably really easy for them to track right now because
1: most people who are probably getting caught are probably not you know blockchain experts right they might even a
0: even a really advanced hacker might not be a blockchain expert right and so um you can't and you can't get away from the blockchain that's what i'm you know that's what my point was like every single transaction is recorded so if they can match a, record, a recorded transaction and that, and that transaction tells you what wallet got how much, right? There are websites that track these blockchain transactions. You can actually go and look how much cryptocurrency is being transferred anywhere at any one time. Now you can't see necessarily where it's going and you don't know who owns those wallets from the blockchain. That's where the security is still there. But when the government you know, has a a, a suspected number of people who are probably big crypto owners or whales or something like that, especially when you know there's a transaction that happened, like when a ransomware attack gets paid out in cryptocurrency, they know 100% on that blockchain that that transaction went to a wallet, and that wallet is where, you know, the hackers or the quote-unquote bad guys have their money transferred to, so now you got a point so now you's got to find that wallet
1: right, and at some point then that wallet's going to be accessed to do something with those funds, right It could
0: sit in that wallet until the till the end of time right there's you may have heard me mentioned in my previous episodes that bitcoin there's billions of dollars in bitcoin just sitting in wallets that no one has access to, and I think I told you I probably have some of those bitcoins because I one hundred percent remember buying. A few hundred bitcoins for like a penny a long time ago when it was like a, you know, a novelty thing, and they never paid attention to it again because that's the kind of things that I do. And, you know, if the hackers want to do something with that cryptocurrency, right, it's not necessarily that valuable just sitting there. So you either got to transfer to an exchange to get, you know, some kind of cash for it, or you got to buy some kind of cryptocurrency with it. I mean, you have to buy something with the cryptocurrency. Like, say, somebody was selling a house and they were willing to accept cryptocurrency, right? You would have to access that. You would have to access the wallet by triggering a transaction from that wallet to pay the person for the house in your cryptocurrency. So, at some point, when the hackers would go to access the cryptocurrency in those wallets, you're going to have it triggering. A triggering event, I mean, they're on the internet somewhere. And if you're on the internet, you're probably going to be able to be tracked by some government somewhere, especially if they have even a slight, slightest idea who you might be based on other kinds of factors. And generally in these kind of schemes, they probably wanted to move that cryptocurrency as fast into as many different wallets as they can. So they may have accessed it immediately and tried to move it around, you know, and started hopping wallets every so many, every so many Minutes or hours or something, right? Like, you can think about some movies where they talk about schemes like that. And um, every time someone did that, you know, you're going to have an IP address, a log event. You're like Those kind of things aren't secure. Um, and the government has very easy access to that kind of stuff. Um, especially if, if they can, you know, make an argument that you are somehow associated with Financing terrorism or human trafficking or, or any of those kind of things that
1: basically make the laws not matter anymore. Um, and so, you know, I think we are at that point where um, I don't know what's next. You know, the anti-government forces, for lack of a better
0: term, they tend to they tend to learn and evolve and. It's unlikely that the schemes that these governments, it's not just the U.S. government, it's been, you know, European governments as well, and it, it's likely that the techniques used to catch them are known now, and they know what they did wrong, and so, um, you know, they might be able to adjust their way forward and come up with new things, Um and I, my, my guess would be that right now, there's probably some blockchain experts out there trying to figure out how to make wallets a little bit more anonymous. They're super secure, right? Unless you know all your passphrases and your code word keys, no one else can access it. And that's what makes it interesting um, is because the government has able been, been able to get access to those keys. And what that probably means is that people are storing them in a place where multiple people have access to them. Otherwise, you know, you can try to commit them to memory. You could literally put them in like a, if you want to use a Mission Impossible reference, put them in a Bible and underline, you know, a couple of your favorite Psalms and those could be your keys, right? And unless someone, um... And you could just remember that Bible verse off the top of your head, use those words as your key, and then you would never have to write them down as long as you could always remember which Bible verse and which version of the Bible that you used. you can do that with almost any book, right? Um, So when the government's getting people's keys, it means they're doing something else, right? It's something besides just tracing the blockchain. Um, It's almost like they're logging keystrokes on people's computers because they knew... You know, and they might even know where these wallets were set up, you know, depending on what goes to the blockchain, like at what time and, and if they can identify um, access to a particular network and trace the the IP addresses back. The extent of what they're able to see using those techniques as the government uh, is hard to know, but clearly they have something, you know, and, and it's my speculation that... Their ability to track that and even get to to get those so far tells them that they want to leave things just as they are, you know, and that means they may be tracking a lot more than cryptocurrency people think that they really are. And right now, you know, kind of come back to this to the beginning where. Cryptocurrency is down. I mean, it's kind of bottomed out. People, you know, it was going low. People were having all these predictions about how low can it go, how low can it go. It seems
1: to have stabilized at the bottom right now. Um, it probably could go lower, but I don't think it will.
0: There's some good articles out there. I mean, Mark Cuban uh, said some good things about what was driving the crazy crypto market, and all of those things have unwound. To now we're to set sort of a base holding pattern, and something new is going to probably have to happen to trigger the next cryptomania, and it's going to come, right i People love doing this. it's kind of like it's almost like a poor man's stock market, if you will, like for example, you know, take some of these coins,
1: some of these coins, you can buy a hundred million coins for a couple hundred dollars. um you know and you can buy coins. In large amounts for a little bit, or you can buy a very tiny
0: amount of coin for a lot of money. And what you see on some of these coins is just a kind of return that you would never see in the stock market, like exponential returns on some of these coins. And that's how some of these, like Dogecoin billionaires or millionaires, right? They went from a coin that was worth, you know, 10,000th of a cent to be
1: even worth one cent, right? Is a 10,000% increase. Like, that's crazy. And so, um, as we settle out here and we bottom out, it's likely that something's going to trigger the market to go up
0: again. It's just a matter of time, you know. It's fun to speculate what it might be. We've also hit, you know, this new spike in coronavirus, which has kind of put a pause in everyone a little bit. Like, you know, there's I still feel—I don't know—I'd really hard to describe how I how or why I feel this, but I feel like. There we're surging at the gate. Like there's a lot of people running out of the gate, like, Oh, you know, the pandemic's over. Let's get back to normal and all this stuff. But there still feels like a lot of people were tentative. You know, they were kind of just walking out, you know, like letting horses or cattle out of a pen. They've take a few steps out and they're like, wait, am I really, am I free? Right. They take a few steps to really understand that they are no longer in the pen. And then they whoosh, run off into the distance And I feel like there was a lot of that apprehension Like people were easing out there to make sure that things were really clear before we sprint into, you know, reality, trying to get back to that old normal.
1: And um, because of that,
0: it's like there's, you know, a big breath being held. We haven't exhaled all the way. There's a little bit of an exhale. Things started getting back on track, but it almost seemed too good to be true at first.
1: And so people were a little bit like, hmm, hmm hold up right um what have we got here and maybe that was wise because now we're back in this sort of uncertainty again but
0: something's going to happen. it's going to trigger you know the big one right now you know is ethereum it's a unique kind of cryptocurrency and it's different than bitcoin you know bitcoin's always going to have that staying power as the as the first um and there's so many people have it and there's some people invested in it. And there are some advantages to Bitcoin. that I don't you know, maybe I'll start doing more episodes on cryptocurrency a little bit just because I, I think it the whole concept actually does fit the topics that I that I aim to go after in this podcast series. Um and like I really want to get into some scientific topics and some technical topics. I haven't really done that yet. I've been, you know, kind of focused on current events and and different things. And so uh, cryptocurrency is a way to sort of bridge that gap. But the changes coming to Ethereum that could trigger some changes in the market as people scramble to do d- different kinds of things with different kinds of coins, and then all it's really going to take is a spark because there's a lot of people that got addicted to making a lot of money, you know, and these crypto millionaires are around, and the reality is that if you can catch a hot streak on the right coin, it's almost like the dot-com boom again, and. It's what's well, unclear to me just exactly how many people are actually losing money when it crashes back down. Um, because it's different than stocks, right? And you know, I don't want to ramble on here, but it's different than stocks because a lot of people still hold. Like the stock market is almost like a monkey see monkey do, right? Because you have these financial managers who manage all these portfolios, mutual funds, and things. So when the when when things start going down, one person starts selling, everybody starts selling because they don't want to be the 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 person who didn't sell, and they look like an idiot. Maybe they get fired from their job. Maybe they have some financial liability or some legal liability for managing funds. And so so the law requires them at all times to act reasonable and be responsible. And the reasonable and responsible thing generally is to do what everyone else is doing because you can't say that you were wrong if everyone else is doing it. And so that's kind of how the stock market goes up. And that's why you get these waves of up and down because everyone's doing what everyone else is doing. Cryptocurrency is a little different because you have a lot more of just individual people similar to like day traders who are holding their own coins and they're not being managed by professional funds who are using algorithms and sales triggers and price triggers to to maneuver all these stocks and values around to try to maximize the value of a, of a, a fund, which is a collection of a whole bunch of different kinds of stocks, right? It's very individual driven, meaning a person with a whole bunch of Dogecoin that they bought at like 50 cents and now it's or whatever it got up to right and now it's down 50% or down 100% or whatever it's down there's no pressure for them to sell other than their own pressure on themselves and if they're not out that money and if they're not really worried about getting it back um and they're not worried about it bottoming out then there's really no reason for them to sell and so you have a lot of individuals holding cryptocurrency just waiting for the market to go back up which means that all of these individuals are going to still dabble in it. They're still going to play with it because it's fun and it's a low risk for yeah. most of them because they're not dealing in huge amounts. Um, and it's easy, right? It's super easy. It is so much easier to go on a, an exchange and buy some cryptocurrency or just to, to even just start mining some of your own cryptocurrency than it is to go buy stocks or to, to get into a mutual fund at least in an, like you can buy one stock, right? But you know, you can buy like Ford or some of the blue chips, they're not going to go up 10,000%, right? You might have to wait three years for them to go up and realize the the kind of percentage of gains that you would with a cryptocurrency. And so I just wanted to to, to hop back on because things have changed so much. And I really thought we were going to see some action by the U S government. And, you know, I encourage you to take a look at the infrastructure language and seeing what that's going to do with cryptocurrency. But at the end of the day, Right now, the U.S. government is just treating it like any other asset. They're not putting any special rules on it. And it doesn't seem to be thwarting law enforcement actions, um, even against, like, hackers who you would expect to be the best at that kind of thing. And so we just might not see any changes um, to it, especially if it if it kind of stays suppressed for a while. And, you know, it may be out of fashion at the moment to really spin up a lot more mining um, efforts or groups or whatever you want to call them, operations, you know, because of, of, of the environmental impact, nobody wants that stigma from a big organization. It's not going to matter to individuals who are just paying their own electric bills. And, you know, that actually starts to push cryptocurrency back into this distributed thing where it's not all, you know, all the power is not centralized and it brings that difficulty in the networks back down which reduces uh the amount of power necessary to run these networks and it and it improves the overall carbon footprint of cryptocurrencies is to have them uh not be quite so popular
1: and so um more to follow thanks for listening and um see you soon